This podcast is produced by Unedited. It's just in the creative process, I always thought I was this indestructible, efficient sort of, but actually I think it was for the detriment of my art. It was, it was sort of, um, I wasn't really being honest, you know, I was hiding things and, and in a way it was catching me up because I was very unhappy. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of In The Moment with me, Alex Manzi. And having been through my own battles with depression and anxiety, I decided to create a platform to help inspire you to live with more clarity and happiness by challenging the way you think, to open up your mind and inviting you to live in the moment. And on this episode, I am joined by Jenny Beth, who is a musician, a writer, actress and radio presenter on Apple's Beats One. And this is a really fascinating conversation. And one of the interesting things about this whole lockdown situation is that I'm able now to expand people who I can have conversations with. So I'm able to have conversations with people who aren't just based in London or in London to have the conversation. We can expand outwards and go to different countries, different places. And Jenny's based in Paris at the minute. She's She was born and raised in France. She's based in Paris. And this is a fascinating conversation about what she's learned recently through the process of creating her first solo album and all of the kind of emotional highs and lows that go into such an intense process. And we got really deep into some subjects and covered a lot of different areas, including learning to live with love, the difference between thoughts and feelings, retracing your past to understand who you are and living with self-doubt. So the aim of this podcast is to inspire. So if you like what you hear in this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and spread the love it's important that we continue to spread the messages of episodes like this but right now let's jump straight in and hear from jenny just to kick us off do you want to let people who are listening know a little bit about who you are and what you do in, in a couple of sentences or a long <laughs> paragraph however you want to do it sure um i'm a musician uh, i've been in a band for a few years called savages um released two records, uh, Silence Yourself in the Door Life, on Matador Records. Um, and uh, I've just uh, finished my solo record, although I don't really like the word solo, uh, uh, because actually I collaborated with a lot of people to do it. So uh, so let's. I like to call it a personal record. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. It's called uh, To Love Is To Live, and it's coming out in a couple of months. And... Um, and um, and I'm also a writer. I've got my first book coming out uh, in July or June, June, July. I mean, <laughs> dates at the moment are yeah. shifting because of the pandemic situation. So, and factories are being closed. So, um, but it's coming out um, in a few months as well. And um, what else? Uh, I'm a performer, so I perform live as well, uh, which is uh, a big part of the love for my job. And um, I'm also a radio presenter. I've done um, um, two years on Beats One, the radio show That's on I mean, the radio station, sorry, on, on Apple Music. And I'm actually starting again uh, um, during this pandemic. I'm going to start doing um, shows again for Apple Music. Um, and then I've started a TV show as well in January called Echoes with Jenny Beth, where I invite um, musicians to talk and to perform yeah um so i'm a and i'm so and the last thing is i'm also an actress because i've i've done a few films uh and um it's something i enjoy doing when i can when i'm asked to do you know and so yeah i'm quite diverse i think i like diversity my hero for that is henry rollins yeah. <laughs> who can be um uh, 
an incredible front singer, a uh, very good writer, a radio host, a TV host, uh, even a comedian. Um, so I like this idea of being versatile and being able to do a lot of things. And I love when people ask me to to do something I've never done before and I'm not sure I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I believe that if I have the will and I put enough work into it, I think there's no reason why I, you know, I can't achieve it. So, so that's it really. That's yeah. kind of what I do. Serious. I mean, you're a very busy woman, clearly, you know, you've got lots of <laughs> different strings to your bow as it were. And I like, I like, what you just said there at the end about being asked to do something that you don't know how to do because mm. and and sort of creating the belief in yourself that you t- you can do it because I was so I was literally like I'm not, I'm not even like making this up I was literally before we started recording about 20 minutes before while I was setting up I was thinking just about this idea of like self-belief and like just just I was watching something on Instagram and it just jolted me into this this thought process of like there's so many people who just don't have the belief in themselves to do the thing they want mm. to do because they're a little bit self-conscious or they're a little bit worried that they might not do it right or they're, you know, they hold themselves back in so many ways. And I think like that self-belief factor is so important just to, to and you know, I've, I've felt it and I'm sure you felt it where you've kind of doubted yourself in some way and you just want to like almost shake yourself at some point and go, come on, you can do this and like give yourself mm. that, that belief, you know, and I feel like, yeah. I think you can't do it. I mean, I can't do it without uh, help. Like, yeah. I don't think self-belief is something that you just build on your own. I think it, you, you can't... Um, something that happened to me before Christmas um, actually made me realise that um, is um, I had um, a huge argument with my, my parents, and I'm a bit old for that. But, yeah. uh, oh, you're but never went, too old for arguments <laughs> with your parents. Just, my mum still argues with her mum. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, good. So you understand. So I, I had this big argument and, and then for a few days I went away, I went back to England and then I was, I was sort of um, eaten up by this, you know, I'm, as I said, I'm a bit old for it. And, and, and then I was thinking, what should I do? Should I call my mum or my dad or should I write them a letter? And, and then the days passed and then a few days later, my mum sent me a letter um, something she'd never done before and in it she said all the things she never said and uh, which, are, which were really kind and uh, also about my work and what I do and how she doesn't always understand but she highly supports and, and those are things that she never really formulated that clearly before and what it made me realize is of, of course I was you know I was very moved by it and very happy but what I realized is that you can't really you can't it's life is really hard without love you know mm. and uh, what it made me feel is i felt that um through her words she would she was connecting me to her more but she was also connecting me to the world more and with that love and support you're invincible and and i was liking it because she wasn't she's not the kind of person from she's not really from a generation that you know <laughs> that really is very outspoken about um about their positive sentiments you know mm, yeah. uh, it's more sharing of negatives and fears and <laughs> uh, bless her but um but she's not all that and that's what i realized is that is that she's more than that and the fact that she shared it with me it tremendously helped me you know and um 
yeah so to love is to live basically yeah yeah, <laughs> nice, yeah it's a no, great title for the, for the for the album but i think like on that it's it's i think that feeling of love and to love to live you 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 have to feel the love within yourself for yourself before you can truly open yourself up to the love from anyone else because mm. until you f- you feel that sense of like love for yourself for for everything for the for the oneness of life for the beauty of life you can't expect to feel it back because you don't know what it is that you're trying to receive you know so unless you open yourself <laughs> up to that feeling for yourself rather than thinking like I need this thing or I need this person to give me that love. Like you need to feel it deep inside yourself first and then you can open up to actually receiving different levels of love from different things. Because one of the things that happened to me last year, yeah, last year I went for a Reiki um, session with a girl that I know and she did the whole process and she was like, your, you know, your energy centers are very open. She's like the only one that's, there's a little bit of a blockage is like over your heart. Like you need to let, like you need to let more love in because I've always kind of like, I guess, uh, protected my, my heart in a way, you know, from, Mm. I don't know, just from, from life, I guess, not from anything in particular, but well, that sort of sat with me for a while. And it wasn't until a few months later where I just, I just got to this moment of like extreme, just love and like gratitude just for everything like walk down the street and see like a little flower actually it was this time last year because it was spring I'd walk down the I'd walk down the street and see a little flower and just be like oh my god this flower is like amazing and just you just feel it and then so Mm. much happens when you can do that you know yeah I I do think it's very hard to conjure like those the feeling you're you're trying to describe and Mm. I think that what what the thing that for me brings it up is um the the conscious of death and I think a lot of my record is actually uh, about that, the friction of life and death and the fact that unless we, we, we realize that we are mortal beings, we tend to forget it, you know, and we tend to live our lives as if we were not, not uh, mortal. Mm. And, uh, but things happen in life sometimes and, and you are confronted with that. And I think that's when you, as you say, as you describe this sort of a density of living, that appears and suddenly maybe you you love better you you know you're you you're you're able to to reach greater feelings and and um and there is this density of um of living and i i actually when i when i've feel those feelings I, I try to to keep them and to to put them on the record as that was my intention to just try to never forget um that and try to keep that um um at the uh, you know um on the forefront of my mindset and on, on writing the record and everything the, that urgency the sense of urgency yeah and how how's your journey been then with that 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 opening up to that that density of love like you put it how's your personal journey been with that uh i can't really explain it um, it's something that was happening to me at the time when, um, after five years in my band, uh, I would be, I think I was extremely exhausted and extremely, uh, tired and, and emotionally drained from touring and from, you know, stress of being in a band. And, and, and I just felt that I needed to, um, to find, uh, to find myself again. And I felt I had drifted off and, um, 
And I can't explain it, but I, the only thing I could think about was my own death. <laughs> I know it sounds very narcissistic. But, uh, and, and, and people are loved as well. Like I couldn't stop thinking of uh, people who are dear to me and, and thinking about them going away. And, and it would become a bit of an obsession and it became then an obsession to uh, finish the record before I died, you know, because it became sort of so obvious that it could happen any time. And a few things happened in my life that um, made me feel that way. Um, like friends, you know, um, illness and death. And, and so, but I think most of all, it was because after 10 years of, when I moved to England, I'm from France, and when I moved to England, I was 20 years old. And I kind of, all I did was music and I didn't really look back. And I sort of put my family on the back, you know, I didn't really connect with them that much. And and I think after 12 years living in, in, in London and, and just being driven by my you know, love for music and my work, I just felt a bit disconnected. And I felt that, okay, I found an artistic expression and an artistic self, but then how do I reconnect the two? Like, because I feel there's like sort of um, a separation. And I felt unhappy, I think, um, about that. Um, so death was connecting, connected, I think, to my roots and to where I come from, to my childhood, to... Um, and, um, and it was a journey, I think, to, I, I, I went to therapy, I went to, you know, I did a few things, I moved to Paris, um, I never lived here before, because I'm from a, a smaller city in France, originally, um, but it was still my home country, and it was a way to, yeah, re, you know, retrace my steps, in a way. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, we kind of have to sometimes in life, right? We have to, we, we kind of get so caught up in the kind of everyday stuff that we're doing and work and, you know, projects and relationships yeah. with friends and f people and work colleagues and things that we kind of forget to not, not, I wouldn't say so much retrace our steps because I feel like you have to live, there's an element of having to live in the present moment rather than like always looking towards the past. But I think you have to take an element of retracing the steps to understand the person yeah. that you are, you know? And I feel like that, that's yeah, so important. And it's like, even for me, like, you know, like I said, I, I'm living back at my parents' place because I was supposed to be doing traveling. <laughs> I was supposed to be traveling this year a lot <laughs> wow. and obviously can't right now. So kind of being back at my parents' place, it's like I'm a teenager again, but I'm not, I'm a, you know, I'm a grown man. So it's like, I'm almost like starting to see in the way that we live as a family mm. now and how obviously it would have been the same, well, more or less when I was a teenager, how, you know, that has shaped me as a, as a person, you know, how those things mm. have played into the person that I have become and will continue to be, you know, so I think, yeah, it's, it's important not to, to shy away from things like that. And we do often hide, you know, certain mm. elements of ourselves. And I guess for you, you know, like you said, you found an, a huge expression through music and art and creativity. Mm. So like, how did you get to a yeah. point? Yeah, but I was, I was finding an expression, but then I was also shutting down a part of who I was. And yeah. it was hard for me to talk about my parents, for instance before um before all this before making this record it was hard for me to talk about my roots i was sort of wanted to hide where i was from and 
and no, 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 that's got nothing to do with me. Mm. And why, why were you doing, do you think you were doing that? I don't know. I think it was because um, from being a teenager, I remember really wanted to leave um, and because I wanted to find who I was. I grew up as a bisexual and um, I didn't really have any uh, people around me who would explain to me what was going on. And so I grew up with feelings of inadequacy and feeling like whatever I would choose in life, um, I, I, I wouldn't be true to myself. And um, but I didn't really have an answer. But for me, it was clear that the answer was somewhere else. It was, mm. it, I had to go to a big city. I had to go to London. I had to, and through music and, and expression, and, and I found, you know, artisans in the expression of yourself so you can find more about who you are. And, and I mean, it starts from there, really trying to find the questions uh, and if you're lucky, the answers. But um so that's why I wanted to leave, I think. And um, but um, also, I didn't want to be determined by my conditioning. You know, I didn't want to anything about my education or my parenting or to 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 bear away on on whoever I was going to be or become as an adult. Um, mm. I felt that um, I was going to make my own story. I was going to make my own, you know. And and it was important for me to. My parents were heavily cultured. They were like, um, um, you know, they went to university because in France it was free, but they, they, they really um, moved up in the social ladder, so to speak, because they became um, teachers and, they, and compared to their parents who were farmers, you know, it was like a big step for them. And yeah. so when me and my sister grew up, they were, um, you know, they were playing, we didn't have, we were not allowed to watch TV, like normal TV, but they would play us some Hitchcock movies or mm-hmm. Truffaut or Godard or whatever. So they would be very adamant that we read, that we, so I had a lot of that education. So when I broke through, uh, when I broke my 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 sort of family uh, nest, let's yeah, say, yeah. Um, in my teenage years, I suddenly discovered Star Wars, Star Wars, and, and you know, like a whole world of amazing TV shows that I didn't know about, and and um, and suddenly all that intellectual sort of stuff I was refusing, rejecting, you know. Yeah. Uh, hence why I wanted to make music. I mean, you know, it was sort of a way to. It was not something that my parents knew about or they, you know, or they could really tell me how to do it or how to achieve or, you know, yeah. it was going to be my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was then, do you feel like music was a way for you to express yourself without having to, I guess, face up to, like you're saying, growing up bisexual and not really having anyone to look to in, but you found the kind of expression through the music without having to, 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 to face up to it in like real life. <laughs> No, I did face it up in real life. I think they were quite separated. They, they were they were complementary, but they were quite separated. I think my my questioning about my own sexuality was something like going underground and you know underneath everything, and which I was also um, talking a lot about with my partner Johnny Hustile, mm. and um, and uh, we've been together now fifteen years, and wow. with but I've you know I've also always explained my bisexuality and we've always found ways to make that um you know uh, being able to to uh, have its own expression let's say but but it's it was clear that from the beginning I needed to I couldn't live a normal life like I couldn't I couldn't have uh you know 
uh, I couldn't be just married and have kids. I couldn't, it wasn't my nature, you mm. know, and that doesn't mean that I can't have kids one day, but what I mean is I, it wasn't, I couldn't fit in that box. It was impossible for me. Um, and music, the expression of music, I don't know, it was liberating for me. I, I just, I remember the first time I um, recorded myself was with Johnny Hustard, who invited me to um, to write music with him after six months we met each other and, um, and he had a studio and like for a week he taught me how to use it, you know, um, a microphone, how to use the sound card, how to use all his gear and his, you know, um, and, and after a week I could record myself, you know, and, um, and suddenly I was able to scream. I was able to, you know, do whatever I wanted to do. And, and it just felt astonishing, you know, to have ideas and be able to put them uh, in, in, in reality, in life and, and just, it, it was just, you know, it's just, um, um, it's a mirror, isn't it? You're constantly working with the work, you do some work and you send something back and then you reflect on that and then you carry on working. And so that conversation was felt very uh, nourishing for sure. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And, and do you still yeah. feel that you've got the same level or the same type of expression rather that when you started making music for the first time to when, you know, now going on to like make the album and stuff? It's very different, but I think, um, I used to be a very anxious teenager, so I used to have panic attacks and things like that. Um, and I had bands before, and every time they asked me to sing, I would have like anxiety coming in on my throat and like a pressure. And so singing was for me painful in a way, you know, for so long. Um, when I started recording myself um, with Johnny Hostile, um, I suddenly... I was still anxious, but I was, I felt like a boxer. I felt like I was like determined not to let, let it, you know, yeah. uh, weigh me down. So I think through the recording has always been a more of a stressful, uh, situation for me than stage. I think stage, I, I have fear, but I, I'm fearless at the same time. I feel the stage is a safe place. I can do whatever I want. Nobody's going to stop me. <laughs> Um, but for recording, I think there's always this thing about um, this is going to stay forever. And um, and I hate studios. I, I really hate studios and like proper studios. And part of this record has been recorded um, from uh, Oran uh, Studio in Paris, in Los Angeles, in Atticus Ross Studio, and in, in Flood in London, in his uh, studio, Assault and Battery, which is like a proper studio. At that point, it was towards the end of the recording of the album, and we needed real drums, and so we went to this big studio. And our first day, I told Flo, I was like, I hate studios, and then he was like, I hate them too. Like, I, I really. So it was fun because I don't have it here, but I always use the same microphone to record myself oh, yeah. Um, yeah. at home. It's like a long microphone, which has nothing to do with. I mean, actually, I was. Uh, Apple Music gave it to me to record my radio shows, but then I loved the way my voice sounded with it. And Flood was like, let's use your microphone because they have like, you know, so many expensive, crazy microphones in the studio. But he was like, I don't care. I want to use the one you can hold. And because I have this thing about recording in the studio, I have to, I can show you, look, I have to, this is the position when I'm recording my vocals in the studio, basically. Be ready. It's like yeah, this. Like that. No way. Like completely that's crouched over. <laughs> there, that's like this. And I have to hold the microphone and being like this. Um, so it's, it's a bit um, an orthodox, I'd say. 
So you can't really get hand me like a 20K microphone. Yeah. I mean, to record like your vocals because I'm going to take it down. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but I think it's as studios are fine as long as, um, you know, as long as you, you don't have this sort of uh, preciousness about things. It's like I hate when people are like, oh, this desk, you know, who recorded on that desk? It was... Um, so and so and Queen recorded on that desk and, yeah. and who gives a shit? Like I don't, I don't believe in that. <laughs> yeah, quite right. It's, it, the desk is just there as a, as a mechanical thing to do its job, right? And most desks would have, would have had someone at some stage of their career probably using it. So it's just part of it's part of the process. Yeah, and history is important, and I don't I understand, but I, I don't. People, some people get caught up in you know this sort of. Um, object finding like but they're not yeah. actually making art or making music it's just, it's just two different things really. yeah mm. what's that process of of stepping into the studio like because i mean i've never i've never written or recorded music or i don't think i would ever try to be honest it'd probably be horrendous but i've, always, <laughs> I've, I've, I've known a lot of people who have and I know that thank everyone's. You, thank you for not trying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I, I've tried to learn guitar once and it wasn't great. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, like guitar <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, because I've always seen it as people have like their own, I guess, like routine or process of anything. And that could be making music. It could be like when I write, for example, or even when mm -hmm. I record a podcast, it's like I don't. I didn't ever go into it with a plan of like, okay, mm. I want to talk about X, Y, and Z in this, in this interview, mm. but there are certain subjects that I might want to get covered. And if we come along to them, we'll cover them and we'll go deep. If not, and the conversation is great, we'll continue. So it's mm. like that, that's my kind of process. I don't, I don't like to over-prepare because then I feel like I've got too much mm. going on in my mind, going into well, a conversation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm already almost, I feel like, I'm already shaping the, the, the conversation in my head before I've had it. And I don't like that. I like to be able to express freely, you know, in the moment of the conversation. So mm. for you, what's it like being in the studio? Do you go in with an idea of like, I want to make something that sounds like this or something that expresses that? Or is it just like, let's just go in, crouch down on the chair with my microphone and see what comes out kind of thing. <laughs> God, or even um, the writing process, you know? Well, it's everything that you said. I think it, it, it is, um, I mean, for this record, for To Love Is To Live, for this record, I've worked with um, with different people. And that was my intention because I, I really didn't want to repeat the way I had worked before, which was with a band and you write in rehearsal place and then you go to a studio and then you record for like three weeks and then this is it and then you mix. And so it was this record I wanted to take my time because I think at the moment um, things people rush making records a lot mm. and I felt... Every time I see a lot of people do one thing, I immediately want to do the opposite. So it's basically what happened. I just, everyone's pitching their voice up. I'm going to pitch my voice down. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone is making these records really quickly on, on laptops and stuff. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it differently. Uh, the, 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 the idea was for me to start working with different people because that's something I had never done before. Uh, it felt new for me to do that. And I really wanted the record to be eclectic because um, I think I'm an eclectic listener. Um, and especially when I started like three years ago, when I started the Apple Music um, uh, radio show, Start Making Sense, uh, 
I, we started, me and Johnny Hoster, who's producing it with me, um, we listening to all the new stuff that's coming out. And I had never done that so intensely in my life mm. before. And it really changed my life. It really changed the way I, I feel part of the world, musical world of today. And I, I was astonished by some productions. And um, anyway, so um, to answer your question, uh, the studio, so as I said, the studio freaked me out and I usually don't like to spend a lot of time in the studio, um, but I have to. So I try to trick myself. Um, the most important thing in the studio is to feel. And something I've learned from working with Flood, because he's the producer I've worked the most in the studio for this record, um, is that... Um, Studios are very expensive, okay? So when you go there, you immediately, you can't help it, you want to have a good value for, for your money, you know? Mm -hmm. So you go there and you feel like, okay, at the end of the day, you want to look at what you've done, you want to make a list of what you've done and be like, oh, we've achieved a lot today, you know? Well done, everyone. Well done, me. Well done, you know? And you need that sense of reassurance that you're going somewhere that today was a progress day and, you know, yeah. and actually that's bullshit because that's really not about the, the, how the creative process works because you can be in the dark for three, four days and have a breakthrough on the fourth. So it's, it's, but it's, um, I forgot about that. And mm. when I went in the studio, I immediately went to, you know, my sort of really rigorous, like, you know, it's almost school-like sort of thing. It's like, oh, today I would like to achieve this, and, and tomorrow we should achieve that. And and Flood was like, sort of smiling. <laughs> <laughs> and he drove me mad. He drove me mad. Uh, like, I can't tell you how many times I, I stormed into the room, yelled at him. Like, I went and be like, what are we doing? What are you doing? You've been listening to my vocals detuned out of time <laughs> for two hours. Why? <laughs> and, uh, and it was a fight, but actually it really reminded me that's how I used to make music when I was starting, you know? Yeah. Um, I was, um, so anyway, I wanted to have that sort of level of production in the record. I didn't want to do something in my bedroom and I didn't want to, certainly didn't want to do it all myself. That's why I don't like to call it a solo record. Mm. Um, I, I, I wanted it to be collaborations with people and I love the idea of inviting people in for them to express themselves fully um, and give them like an open space. It's a bit like opening your bedroom. You know. <laughs> Yeah, inviting yeah. your friends to play you know yeah and when they come into your bedroom to play with your legos you're not going to be like well you can if you're a child but if you <laughs> if you don't want to be childlike you're not going to be like no you do it my way you yeah. know it's not you can't play with that toy you have, yeah. to, you have to play with these ones yeah yeah so when i um contacted atticus ross from nine inch nails because i was such a fan of his work uh and soundtrack work is done with trent Reznor, i i knew that we, I was going to at some point let him go, you know, and, and, but he was very cautious. He, we spoke for like six months before he started to do any music and he was very, um, 
respectful and also he wanted to understand fully what I wanted to do because everything takes so much time and work and effort. He wanted to, I think he wanted to make sure he was going to hit it straight into the, um, straight where he belongs. Um, um, but yeah, so that's the way I guess. Yeah. You said something very interesting at the beginning about you wanted to, I think the, the, think the phrase you, you used is you wanted to feel it. You wanted to feel the kind of yeah. the expression. And, and I've got this thing that I, that I say to people when, when I'm talking with someone, I'm going to ask them to describe something. It could be the way they feel. It could be the way they, you know, think about something or the way that something uh, has affected them. I mm. always say, don't say it, feel it. Because there's a difference between saying, hmm. okay, I feel x y and z i feel this is making me happy i feel like this is making me feel you know clarity or this has made me angry you're just saying the words that you think are the words that you're feeling but mm. describe i want you to, to to tell me how you feel like what what's what are you feeling now it could be like oh like a warmth inside my body or I feel, mm. there's like a big distinction between the two yeah and I find that the way you described that there was very interesting for that, for that same reason, really. It's like you're yeah. feeling, you know, the energy. Flood used, yeah, Flood used to, used to tell me that. It's like, I don't care what you think. Tell me how you feel. Yeah. How does it make you feel, that sound, that music, that song? How does it make you feel? Uh, if you, I'd say, I don't care, do you feel something? Because he's right. I think a record, an album is about how it makes people feel. You know, it's all about that. And as long as there's, you're passing on a feeling, whatever it is, you know, you, you're going to, you know, people are going to be wanted to, to connect with it and to, to go back to it. And um, there's one thing he always says is like, there's nothing worse than music that's been overthought. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Because it's true. Like, music is, yeah. it's, it, you get a feeling from music, whether it's, you know, the, the number one pop track in the world or it's, you know, a deep... Yeah emotional track or it's a, a hip-hop record or it's a you know punk record or it's jazz yeah. or it's soul like you, you will relate to a song because of how it makes you feel and it, yeah. each song may will make you feel different each genre may make you feel different and actually feel- that's why sometimes i can't listen to music because yeah. i'm in a certain mood and i know if i'm going to switch on the radio or listen to the record it's going to switch the way i feel mm. you know immediately it's, sometimes it's aggressive sometimes it's like oh i'm not sure i want to feel that happy who i'm not sure i want to feel that sad um and sometimes you crave for it because maybe sometimes you feel empty as well and music comes in and is here and brings you a feeling that you, 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 you re, it's kind of reassuring to feel, oh, I know, I can feel something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. not like completely empty right now. Um, but sometimes music is too much. And sometimes I have to listen to podcasts and I have to listen to radio instead, like talking radio, um, because um, it's not as intrusive as um, music is. Mm. Music comes here, you know. Yeah. Um, podcasts. <laughs> yeah no it's true it's true yeah it's that's so true i've never thought of that because i always like to i always say like when i'm in the gym for example or not not in the gym now but like you know working out or exercising i like to listen to a podcast because then i'm i'm not just you know doing physical exercise i'm also like working yeah. my brain at the same time and it's because <laughs> yeah because it does it goes into the brain instead of the heart right that's sick well yeah. what how do you how do you then when you feel 
like those deep emotions or feelings how do you how do you kind of live with them like day to day because you know it's one thing it's a bit like I always always feel like you know having sort of checked out your music and like watched the videos and listened to like some of the the or, or read some of the interviews and stuff you've done is like you're a highly kind of uh I don't know if emotional is the right word but like you I get a sense that you you feel things deeply you know like you express things deeply so how do you how do you go through every day with that because I know it can be it can be tough being in the studio and trying to like really yeah. bring a feeling but then you know when you get those feelings throughout the day in normal life and yeah you can't express it in an artistic way like how do yeah. you live with those well it's um I mean I think I, I I'm Artists usually are quite sensitive people, you know, and I, I think I am a very sensitive person, but I constantly try to shut it down because otherwise it would be unbearable. You know, I can't do any normal stuff if I'm just, you know, highly feeling something. But that's why recording and writing a record is such, it's really hard periods of time from, from my normal life. Like, uh, it, it, it's, um, I'm better when I'm touring or when I'm, when the album is done, but actually when I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to maybe start writing again. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's going to be, and recording is even worse. Yeah. They're really, really difficult periods for me. They're really moments of, um, well, first self-introspection a lot. And, 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 and you go into places that you normally wouldn't go to and, and uh, trying to feel certain things and trying to put them on paper. And it's difficult. I definitely, and it was definitely difficult on this record, particularly because uh, it was, it's the first, you know, it's my debut solo <laughs> and I was on my own. And, and there's this sort of um, challenge that you put to yourself as well to try to do something that is the best it can be. And, um, and the work is, um, there's so much self-doubt, you know, in everything. And I think the self-doubt is the most destructive one. It's the one that is, uh, you need it, but you, cause you, otherwise you'd be a douche, I think, but it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still, still hard to live. I think it's just hard to live and hard for people around me to live as well. Yeah. yeah. So how, how do you deal with those moments then when it is, you're in one of those difficult patches of writing <laughs> or recording, like, what do you do to kind of help yourself through it to kind of process I don't know. it i just i don't know i i um i try to um try to spend time on my own i think just so that i'm not <laughs> i'm not hurting anyone <laughs> that much i try to take walks on my own i try to um but then you're still on your own but i think that's kind of what you need to go through i am um, I cry a lot as well. Mm. <laughs> um, I, there's not really any solution. You just have to go through it. I think I, I, it's just the way it is, you know. I'm, but now I know how, I think it was less difficult in a band because I was sort of, um, I viewed my role as trying to cheer everybody up and try, if I break down, everybody break down. So I need to stay on track and yeah. hold everybody and oh um this person is falling down ah, i need to catch them up oh this person just stepped out i need to catch them up and it was a sort of a there was not really a time where i could you know 
I think, express my self-doubts, although I had them. I had to pretend almost or to be seen as someone who was like, no, we can do this. And when I did this record, I think it was sort of the moment where I couldn't, I didn't have, I didn't have that role anymore. So suddenly I was more of a, you know, (laughs) uh, I was the person I never thought I would be. Yeah. Nice. Which is interesting. Yeah. And what, what, who is that person? Well, it's a person who has self-doubts, who, who can um, throw tantrums, who can, <laughs> I mean, not that I couldn't, but it's just in the creative process. I always thought I was this indestructible, efficient sort of, but actually I think it was for the detriment of my art. It was, it was sort of, um, I wasn't really being honest, you know, I was hiding things and, and in a way it was catching me up because I was very unhappy. Mm. So, Yeah. Yeah. And what, what about the, those moments of self-doubt? What did they look like? Was it a kind of imposter syndrome situation or was it yeah. something else? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, come on. Why me? Why, <laughs> <laughs> Why am I good enough to do this? Uh, you know. Um, oh, and also it, it would be like, I, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never finish this. You know, I'll, I'll never see the end of this. And, no, I've learned a lot. Like, um, I even, you know, even some songs when I wasn't sure I was going to keep them until the mixing, you know, because there were, um, I've learned that actually you can have doubts till the end, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then be saved. It's a big lesson of letting go, even now. I mean, you know, the confinement and releasing a record. I mean, that's <laughs> it's a lesson of humility. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right. I thought the most important thing in my entire life, making this record, putting it out, actually isn't that important <laughs> in, the, in the view of, you know, of life and death and the world in general. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. I have to, you have to submit. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because we're, we're in that kind of phase now, aren't we, just globally of like having to submit to, to life because... Yeah. You know, so many of us are restricted in what we can do and it's not very good for dominant people right now (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly exactly or outgoing people or people who you know don't like to be introspective or self-reflective because you know yeah we're finding now that a 24-hour day is a lot is a long day when long day you're sat you know in one place or with the same people every day and you know like we touched on every day is kind of rolling into one in a sense but we're in this amazing phase of having the time to do that you know to 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 have the the humility now to kind of sit back and and look at ourselves and be like okay wow like what do i want to do with my day today like can i am i going to sit and waste my day and watch netflix and you know do watch youtube videos or am i gonna find a way to express myself or am am i going to find a way to to understand myself better or to 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 connect with some people who i haven't connected with for, for a while you know we've got all of these amazing opportunities through you know, the terrible situation we're in really. And yeah, I just find it fascinating. It's all on self-will, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. We're we're all being shown a difficult hand, you know, and we're all, we're all having to see our way through it in a sense of like, we're having to figure out, okay, this is the hand that I'm dealt. Mm. What's everyone else has dealt the same hand, right? So (laughs) how do I make my hand into something that... 
I see what you mean about everyone's being handed the same hand, but in a way, I don't believe that. Yeah. I, I do believe that this crisis is going to increase inequalities. Like, I don't see it as, oh, we're all equal now because we're all at home. God, no. Like, yeah. we're, we're no, not no, equal. And I think uh, some people who have, like, um, real problems at home at the moment must go through hell. Um, mm. Children or or you know, like some families who only have one bedroom for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and, or, or like women who have a violent husband or vice versa. I mean, I can't even, or children yeah. who have abusers at home or I don't know, like anything that would be a nightmare and going to school would be like the lifesaver thing, you know? And, and uh, I think it's, um, it's, um, it's, um, yeah, I think it's very difficult for some people. And economically, it's going to be very hard for small people. I mean, small, I mean, you know, people live with small businesses. And I think it's going to be oh, a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not very optimistic. And actually, when I have anxieties, I think, uh, because I think of that a, little, a lot, you know, um, what the world's going to look like after this, if it if it's, um, carries on for too long. Yeah, there's a, yeah. I mean, there's going to be drastic change across the world, right? It's going to some some i mean a lot probably for the for the worst like you said, there'll be probably some kind of recession globally you yeah know, crisis businesses are, are struggling and will continue to and you know etc etc so there's gonna be so, such a big effect on everything and it already has you know but yeah. what what do you think like the the learnings will be from from all of this problem is that the human race easily forgets and um I, I, I'm not very optimistic about humanity, so I'm sorry if I'm a bit down. <laughs> but I, it's not really that I'm down. It's just I'm trying to be realistic. I just feel mm. that um, humanity, you learn when something happens to you. You learn when something happens to someone close to you, but you don't really learn when it's too far. You, can't, you can sympathize and you can try to understand, but there's not something that deeply changes inside of you. And you know the way you were talking about music, how it gets in. And mm-hmm. I think that's why music has a power is because it actually gets in like a family member or it's very close and, and it has that power to change what's inside, even if it's very small. Um, I believe in that anyway. But mm-hmm. if you're reading news, you're reading about people losing their relatives right now, not being able to go to funerals. If you, you know, you can sympathize, but it doesn't really concerns you so much mm-hmm. in your bone of bones and that it really changes your perspective that, and then makes you act upon it, you know. I mean, some people have that ability, but I don't, as a global thing, I, 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 I feel that I could talk about, I could talk about um, the way, we could talk about what we hope it would change, um, maybe. I think maybe people will be more uh, connected to each other in a way. Because I feel that even my neighbors and my family were very much closer than we were before this happened. So yeah. I hope that would stay. I hope people will remember this, you know, because um, that's a very nice thing, you know. Yeah. Neighbors helping out each other and um, family members, um, you know, uh, calling each other more. And I think that that's a very good thing. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's like the sense of community, right? Like you said, neighbors helping each other and people you know in in communities in streets coming yeah. together more because you kind of i mean like your neighbors for example how often would you stop and have a chat yeah. or, or check in on them or offer to do something for them yeah before this you know whereas yeah. especially now, in paris man or <laughs> yeah so, so yeah. How, how 
how how's the situation in Paris? Because I know France has a has a lot stricter a lockdown yeah. than we do over here in the UK. So yeah, how's that over there? Well, the, the the you're not allowed to go out unless you have a paper that you sign with the time and date uh, of the moment you come out. Um, yeah. So and you have to show that to the police if they stop you. You're not allowed to take trains unless you have proof and valuable reason to travel. So wow. you're not really allowed to go out of your vicinity. Like you, you have to say, stay in your neighborhood. Mm. Even if you go jogging, you have to stay one kilometer away. So oh, it's wow. nothing. It's like, um, so if you're caught outside of that, you get fined unless you oh, have really? a very good reason. Like if you attending a funeral or whatever, or you're, you're going to medical care or if you're, but if you're going for food, you have to go uh, in your neighborhood. You're not allowed to travel around. Um, um, and that's it, really. And, and then the big problem we have here in France is that we don't have enough tests. So we can't get tested for the virus. So the um, uh, confinement, the end of confinement is very unclear because um, they need to test people in order to stop the confinement. So. Mm. So yeah, that's the that's the problems we're facing right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just crazy. It's just like you know, mm. I feel like in a way, what what from what you're saying there, what's happening over there with like the how strict the police are with, you know, mm. you have to have this bit of paper. You can't go x distance away from where mm. you live without good reason. I think, mm. that's, I think that's how we should be treating it, you know, we should be treating it in such a serious matter because I feel like yeah. here in London, there's yeah. a lot of, I think we need that, particularly maybe in the bigger cities, you know, I think it's maybe a bit different if you're, you know, live in a smaller city where the community is a lot tighter anyway, just in general, yeah. but in a big city, it's just like, you know, the second the sunshine comes out in London, like people still like go into the park to just like yeah. have a day out. It's like, man, this thing's happening, you know, we, ha- we have to, we have to yeah. take care. We have to be, sensible you know and i feel like yeah. a sh- the stricter and although it's not very nice to live i can imagine <laughs> because you're very restricted yeah. but i feel like you know th- there's a greater reason for it you know it's not a it's not a personal attack on anyone it's we're trying to do this for all of humanity you know there's people's lives at risk so yeah. we, we have to we have to take extreme measures but is yeah. it is it for you is it is it a struggle is it like what's it like being so confined especially for someone who I guess at points you're probably used to having a lot of your own time and space to, you know, to do your writings and things, but to also someone who likes to express themselves and do things and someone who like yourself is, you know, fairly busy with different projects. How, how are you kind of dealing with the, that confinement? Well, I have anxiety and frustrations and the frustrations are connected to the fact that for my work first, like, because I've, I've got a whole tour that's going to be canceled and pushed down. Um, we've not really a clear view on when we're going to be able to start touring again. I mean, you know, um, especially in America. So it's a bit difficult to plan anything and all the great stuff that we're going to happen have been all cancelled, you know, yeah. all the great festivals, all the great support. I was supposed to support one of my favorite bands, you not touring anymore. Um, and it's, it's just part, it was part of releasing this record and we had a whole plan and now everything's shut down. So you have to, rethink everything and reschedule everything and just hope for the best knowing it's the, it's the plan B, C, D that's going to happen and not your plan A, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit frustrating because making a record costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time. And in, it's probably the work I'm the most proud of I've ever done and, and just not being, having the opportunity to, 
to go out into the world and just play it live first, you know, defend it and promote it the way I, I wanted to. It's just frustrating, you know. Um, there are ways around and you work around it. As you said, everybody's in the same situations and so so you're like, okay. But um, the other frustration is um, regarding family and, you know, um, um, the, 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 you know, um, I have a family member in hospital and it's, it's very difficult because I can't go there and be there for them. So, mm. um, so that's frustrating as well, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. How have you been dealing with each day then? Have you kind of got like a routine that you kind of are sticking to or are you kind of waking up and just sort of going with the flow each day? Like what's, what's been the things that have been getting you through? Yeah, half, half. I do, I do plannings in advance and then sometimes I just wake up and change my mind. <laughs> but I usually like to have things planned. Um, I, um, usually I go to my boxing club in Paris and they do classes online. So every two days I do a class with them online. So that's something that keeps me going. Um, you know, I, I still, um, I still am still on the phone with my therapist. I still, um, you know, I, I keep things quite regular. <laughs> that's the way I, I feel happier, you know. Yeah. Um, and the evenings, I, I just watch TV or films or things like that. Yeah, nice. I think it's important to have that structure, isn't it, in some way, because otherwise it can really feel yeah. like we're stuck in kind of Groundhog Day in a way, you know, we need yeah. to kind of have something to kind of... I think so, but everybody's different, so yeah. Yeah, of course, and it's totally up to finding what works for you, and that's that's the thing that I've I found, like, having, having like, a morning routine has been really helpful for me, and then the rest of the day I can kind of go with the flow of it and how I'm feeling having that kind of little bit of structure in the mornings massively kind of just helped me set up a day you know and i think that's important I've got a last couple of questions for you so yeah. if we if we were to go back in time and jump mm-hmm. in a time machine and go and speak to a younger jenny <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. what 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 three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing from that moment i would say um don't be don't be afraid don't be afraid to be who you want to be and they will get used to it it's just the kind of going, going with it, right? And knowing that you're going to grow and become who you're going to yeah. become kind of thing, right? And then last question, what does happiness mean to you? <laughs> it means different things. I think one of the things uh, for me, it, happiness is when, the, um, when there's no observer at all, when um, you are completely in a moment and, um, and there's no, you know, there's just total energy. And, uh, and that's something I've, feel when I'm on stage for instance uh, and that total energy um, is is for me uh, like a highest form of intelligence um, so I feel connected to something and um, and um, it's very rare there's a few things in life that give you that mo- that sort of feeling but that's kind of how I would describe happiness yeah before we sign out do you want to let people know where they can keep up to date with you online and anything you want to shout about like the album the book everything else sure um we're online i think i have a website called jenny jenny um also on instagram as jenny beth and jenny you write jenny with an h like johnny Mm. (laughs) um and then um yeah i've got the 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 album is coming out um in june i think now um it's called to love is to live and the book will follow up the book is called calm uh, crimes against love memories oh, and amazing. it's a book uh, of 12 erotic short stories so if oh. you want to indulge during the summer <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, and i do um i do regular during confinement i do readings of calm the book um every fridays at 5 p.m french time 
I was saying, is that on, on Instagram? Yeah, on live. Yeah. Live Instagram, yeah. When the story oh, is live. Oh, I'll have to join this week. That'll be wicked. Yeah. At five, at five o'clock French time. So, f- yeah. Uh, four so o'clock. It's 4 UK. p.m. UK. Yeah. Sick. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to try and join this Friday. But look, Jenny, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an amazing conversation. Really, really enjoyed it. I hope you have to. Everything goes well with the yeah, album and the book and everything. Thank, thank you so you much. All. Take care. So there we have it. I hope that you enjoyed this episode with Jenny Beth. I really enjoyed that conversation. It was so interesting to hear her kind of thought process and the way that she kind of deals with her emotions and different feelings while she's creating, you know, her work, her art and putting so much passion and so much energy and so much of her into it. And it's really fascinating and lots of learnings there, particularly around, you know, dealing with those those emotional highs and lows and kind of sitting with those feelings rather than trying to escape from that. I think there's a big, big learning in that. And if you like what you heard in this episode, then please be sure to leave a review and even better still, hit the subscribe button so that you get the latest episodes straight to your phone. And if you know someone who you think really benefit from hearing this episode, then be sure to send them a link or a screenshot because it's important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and messages from episodes like this. You know, I started this podcast to inspire positive change and you can also be a part of that by sharing the love. And as ever, you can connect with me on Instagram at IamAlexManzi. You can hit me up if there's anything you want to ask or if there's something you just want to share. And particularly now, because in the coming days, I am going to be recording episode 150 and I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear what questions you have and I want to answer as many as possible in the episode. So be sure to hit me up. My DMs are always open and you'll find me over on Instagram. But until then... Thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.